Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Today, we're going to attempt to narrow the political divide. And uh, we have, an, of course, an increasingly polarized society. I think a lot of us are distressed about that. We'll follow up on a program we did a few months ago with politicians and commentators. This time, we're appealing directly to you. We'll ask you to explore the weaknesses as well as the strengths of your political beliefs, as well as the strengths and weaknesses of the other side. We'll ask how can we listen to and understand each other more in our political discourse. We'll ask you what are the foundational principles that shape your political thinking, what life experiences have shaped your political views, and how can we elevate the level of our political discourse. And uh, we have in studio with us... Uh, Jonathan and Laura Lee uh, Choate, they've been featured on CNN, uh, in fact have been invited to the White House because of various uh, political activities. Uh, Laura Lee leans a little bit uh, left, right, yep, Laura Lee? I do. And Jonathan, more libertarian. That's correct. Which makes for maybe Could some you go tense far, Farther right than libertarian, that would be Jonathan. <laughs> 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 so this must makes for some interesting times in the Choate household. It, it has occasionally led to some heated discussions. Yeah. Uh, so we'll talk about that. We're also going to be joined by um, some college-age people, our producers for Access Utah, Danny Hayes and Addison Pace. We have some interesting political discussions on our staff. We thought they'd, we'd bring that forward as well. Uh, it, during college is, is a time when we're, a lot of us are forming our, our political beliefs, so we thought we'd bring them in as well. So, uh, But to begin the discussion and remind us what we did a couple of months ago, a few months ago, we repeated this, I think, last month, uh, politicians and commentators of various stripes, I asked them to, to come in, and uh, I was determined to get them to say at least one good thing about the other side. And you'll hear, <laughs> I, I gave them opportunity to explain their side and, and talk about uh, misperceptions that they felt uh, about their side as well. Uh, just one example, this was chosen somewhat at random. Here's Howard Stevenson, uh, state senator, and uh, he's, he's conservative, and he's uh, president of the Utah Taxpayers Association. Let's listen to this, and then we'll continue this discussion. We are uh, today uh, sort of checking our uh, back and forth uh, political uh, fights at the door, and we're getting back to foundational political beliefs. Uh, with the uh, with the belief that uh, there are powerful and valid ideas in each political tradition. And right now we're talking with Howard Stevenson. He's a Utah State Senator. And uh, I believe, Senator, you're, you're, also, you're also on the radio. You have a, a radio program? Yes, on Saturday mornings, Red Meat Radio, yeah. setting the record straight. Okay. Um, and uh, your title, I think, is President of Utah Taxpayers Association. Yes. Uh, so what we're asking people, ask you, uh, what are your foundational um, core political beliefs, the, the ideas that, uh, that animate you, motivate you, maybe got you into the political arena? Uh, give us your, your very brief bullet points. Well, the, the thing that uh, I find foundational in my own political life is the idea of protecting individual rights, the ability of an individual to act, and not be acted upon. The natural rights that were uh, espoused by the founders of this country when they were willing to pledge their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honors uh, in order to bring forth uh, the uh, independence of this country and the foundational principles of the idea that uh, all men are created equal and are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And uh, everything, to me, has to stem back to those basic uh, principles of natural law. Is there a particular, I don't know, thinker, author, uh, figure that... uh that you go back to time and again that, uh, that really informs your, your beliefs? Well, Jefferson is one that really inspires me. Of course, he is the one that penned the Declaration of Independence. Uh, and, uh, of course, he was influenced by others before him. He was well-read. He understood principles. And uh, uh, there were others as well, Bastiat, uh, who wrote the law, uh, and... Uh, Others who more recently have written about economics in one lesson, for example. Are there misconceptions as you operate with these uh, core beliefs in the political arena? Are there misconceptions that people have of, about those beliefs? Yeah, I think one of the biggest misconceptions I find is that people think that uh, uh, small socialism 
is better than big socialism. You know, uh, the, a lot of people don't seem to have gotten the message that the Berlin Wall came down in November of 1989, and that grand experiment with socialism failed. And yet we find American politicians, and especially right here in Utah uh, and the, at the local level, saying, well, they just didn't have the right motivation. We can do it. And so we get uh, government uh, involved in the business of business, and uh, they're failing. Uh, as, as hard as they might try, they fail, and they end up costing taxpayers a lot of money because of their attempts to implement socialism effectively. I'm asking everybody as well, under the, uh, the belief that uh, an understanding they're powerful and valid ideas in, in just about any political tradition, maybe select a, a foundational belief, uh, according to your understanding, from, that you do not subscribe to, but uh, that perhaps you can, you can understand, you can understand there's power in it. Well, I think Democrats uh, sort of have tried to capture the corner on compassion and uh, the, the notion that we need to look out uh, for the least of these in our society. And I believe that, too. I believe it with all my heart that I have a moral obligation to look out for my brothers and sisters who are disadvantaged. But my obligation is not to get government to take care of them, and that's where I think uh, Democrats and conservatives differ, is that they, they believe that we should all be compelled to care for each other, whereas I believe that uh, we individually have a moral obligation. It was interesting that uh, Adam Smith, he was most famous for his writing, uh, The Wealth of Nations, which a lot of people have twisted to say that the selfishness of the of humanity will will create a tide that will lift all boats. But to him, his greater work was uh, the theory of moral sentiments, which was a writing about morality and our moral obligation to look out for our brothers and sisters in society, and that God expects that of us. But still, we should have a free market to enable uh, the self-interest of people to create that tide that lifts all boats. We're uh, out of time. Howard Stevenson uh, is our guest right now, and we're, we're uh, taking a, a break from the back and forth of politics, talking about foundational, core uh, political beliefs. Howard Stevenson, a state senator, also president of Utah Taxpayers Association. More information about him uh, and from him at howardstevenson.com. Senator, thank you so much. Thank you. There's a taste of the program that we did a few months ago. This was prior to the election. I think we repeated this about a month ago, uh, where I had politicians, commentators of various political stripes uh, come on and uh, do what we did right there. In fact, all the interviews were about the same. I asked them some misconceptions, allowed them to to vent on that, but I, I had them uh, tell me at least one good thing about the other side. Uh, this comes out of... Uh, frustration I think a lot of us have about the polarization, balkanization of today's political discourse. We're all, or many of us, are sitting in our silos, lobbing grenades at the other side, demonizing the other side, and not understanding each other. We're going to try to narrow that political divide today. We're joined uh, in studio here by uh, Jonathan Choate, who joins us every once in a while to talk about computers. Today, politics. Welcome back, Jonathan. It's nice to have a little change of pace. <laughs> and his wife, uh, Laura Lee Choate. Hi, uh, Tom. It's so good to be here. Uh, and uh, you may or may not know, uh, they've been on CNN and uh, a few other outlets uh, due to their political divide in their family, which makes things a little lively sometimes. Laura Lee a little, leans a little uh, more to the left. Uh, Jonathan's a libertarian. Uh, by the way, you hear Jonathan on uh, For the People program on, on KVNU if you're in Cache Valley uh, area. We're also joined um, in our production studio by our producers for the program. They are uh, students at Utah State University, Danny Hayes. Welcome. Hello. And Addison Pace, welcome. Thank you. Usually they're behind the scenes. We're going to bring them forward. I think a lot of us uh, form our political uh, beliefs, uh, have those discussions, and maybe have a little movement when we're college uh, age. Uh, so uh, we're going to bring them into the discussion as well. By the way, uh, you're welcome to join the uh, conversation uh, by email at upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com. We hope that you will. 
And uh, you can call us at 1-800-826-1495. Our uh, system, uh, phone system is somewhat broken today. You can only call in one at a time, but you can call us, 1-800-826-1495. We do have three pairs of tickets to Chanticleer at the Cache Valley Center for the Arts. Uh, two pairs of tickets are for Thursday evening in downtown Logan. One pair is for Friday evening. All you have to do is uh, call in, comment on the show, either by email or uh, by uh, phone. If you do email, you'd have to uh, uh, have to give us your name, and uh, you'll have to come by the studio to pick these up. Uh, phone as well. Uh, that's Chanticleer on Thursday and uh, Friday. Let's turn to Jonathan and, and Laura Lee. Um, reading the CNN article, you were saying, Laura Lee, that uh, some of the biggest fights in your marriage, at least in the past, have been over politics. Absolutely. Really, uh, we, we're probably at the happiest. We've been married 15 years, probably at the happiest point of our marriage. But due to um, Jonathan's work on For the People and, and just our, our natural inherent in curiosity and passion about politics, it is something that comes up a lot. And there have been some very big political changes going on. I would say that the shift started with me. I, I tend to, you said things happen in college. I'm a little backward. Um, I actually start out quite conservative, very pro-Bush versus Clinton in high school. Election was one day before my 18th birthday. I was very mad. Um, but uh, Proposition 8 came and I started shaking my head at the, le- at the right and nodding my head at the left more and more. And it was a very painful um, very hurtful process for me. This was a California's proposition yes. on, on gay marriage. Yes, gay marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, the two the two things I am the most passionate about happen to be very left, healthcare mm-hmm. reform and, and gay marriage, both of which my husband and I disagree on vastly. And so uh, just because I, and, and it was, there was a situation, um, I've just retired from blogging, but I had um, almost 10 years in the blogging world and got a lot of uh, kind of notice for that. And I was kind of thrust into the, the spotlight, I was invited to the White House over health care reform. So I didn't really ever intend on becoming any kind of political activist or outspoken, but it was just something that happened. Mm-hmm. And so because of his job, and I'm the daughter of a newspaper man, I grew up with politics, I'm very passionate about politics. So it comes up a lot in our home, and it can create some some friction, I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. So, Jonathan, your, your perspective. Uh, first of all, I'm curious, you, you got invited to the Obama White House. I'm, I'm guessing you disagree with... Yeah, it was it wasn't there to show support for the yeah. president. No, it was and it was uh, you know, it was one of those things of, you know, bring people in and make people feel happy. You know, we didn't really discuss policy. It's not like we were there to, uh, you know, participate in the you crafting of legislation. You did have an hour-long conversation with Valerie Jarrett I, I did. specifically on policy. I, I, this was we, not just a, a roses a on the White House lawn. Mm. <laughs> you know, and and you know, she uh, you know, was trying to find, you know, what you know, and really the conversation turned out to be, what well, what does it take for somebody like you to support this legislation? And it came comes down to, well, throw it in the trash is how we I would support what we're going to do with that. But that's just, you know, that those are those are very, uh, you know, that's way outside my realm of, you know, my Overton window, if you would, uh, you know, of, of what I find acceptable. Then that's not to say that there aren't areas on the topic where we can come to agreement. Uh, and, you know, we found a few, you know, albeit small oases of, uh, you know, of agreement on a few things. Hmm. Is is that what we need to do in our political discourse? Look and maybe look really hard for the few areas of agreement that we, that we might have? Well, I think so. But the thing that concerns me right now about the polarization that we have is it's not necessarily political. It's cultural. I think what we have is we're forming cultural pockets and our politics have to go along with our culture. We have an identity as somebody who lives in a particular state or a certain age group or a certain gender or race, etc. And that is supposed to define what our politics are rather than our politics being, you know, what we believe. It's well, I'm you know, it's part of a cultural identity and I think that's a problem because that's why I think we get so much there's so much anger and so much, um, you know, rhetoric involved in the conversations because it, it's not you're not just saying something bad about what you know a, a political belief. You're saying something bad about me because I, as a culture, I identify personally with that, and so people take it very personally. Do you agree with that, uh, Laura Lee? It's it's cultural. Um. Well, I kind of defy that. <laughs> Wait, uh, is it? There's, there's, there's always it's a bell curve. There's always outliers. <laughs> and, no, but I, I will say that 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 he's probably correct there because when he 
Um, it is very hurtful when, you know, we, I have family members who are gay, who I fight, you know, ferociously for. Just I, I'm very passionate about it. It's very hard to hear him not want the same things, knowing the same people, or that, you know, with the health problems that I've had, that we've walked the same path that is absolutely mind-blowing to me that he cannot um, come out of the exact same situation with it, and he has a completely differing uh, opinion. That's been very, very difficult because mm -hmm. we went through absolutely a horrible time, uh, which is why we ended up at the White House, which is why I'm so passionate about health care reform. And it was so stressful for me. And so for him to come out on the other end of that with a completely differing opinion is a little bit unthinkable to me. Mm -hmm. And so it does it does get um, when you're at the same le the level of intimacy you have as a wife, it's a little bit different. But where I cannot understand at all is where humans fail to find any good. They, they, they put the po politics above the human relationship. And I find that so deeply hurtful. That it's um, it's just unfathomable to me, mm -hmm. and I see it all the time. And so I, I kind of have a saying um, when I was blogging, and I still do a little bit of social media. My my term is: if you're going to fight at all, please fight for civility. And so I've managed to have discussions on my blog with some of the most hot button topics there are: gay marriage, the LDS Church's responses to gay marriage, healthcare reform, and it's it stayed civil with very little moderation on my part. Passionate, yes, but where I I fail to see. Um, where I fail to understand somebody is when they can say to me, how can you even speak to that person? I wouldn't have anybody to speak to. Where do I live? I live in one of the most conservative places in the country. And, and to be honest, for here, I'm very liberal. If you stuck me in Massachusetts, my very, very progressive liberal friends get upset with me that I'm not more liberal. <laughs> and so I do have conservative sides that come out fighting. But it's just unthinkable to me that people would put something like that on top of trying to find some level of humanity on the other side. And it's becoming more and more, it's, it's more and more of a problem hmm. as we go along. People are getting more and more divided. We're talking about uh, political polarization and how do we bridge that divide. We're, uh, we have a married couple, Jonathan and Laura Lee Choate, who are divided by politics, who have to find a way to, to bridge that, uh, that gap. And we're going to be joined as well by our producers, Addison Pace and uh, Danny Hayes. You're welcome to join this conversation. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, what are you, the foundational pr principles that shape your political thinking? And what life experiences have shaped your political views? And have you had experiences trying to reach across that aisle? Have, has your hand been slapped back or have you had successful experiences? We'd love to hear your experiences. Uh, our email is upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com. Phone number is 1-800-826-1495. And uh, we do have three pairs of tickets to... Uh, the uh, to Chanticleer concerts. Those are Thursday and Friday evenings. This Thursday and Friday, two pairs to the Thursday, one pair to the Friday. That's in downtown Logan. You'd have to come and pick those up, but we'd uh, love to give those out to you. Upraccess at gmail.com, 1-800-826-1495. Um, I was uh, preparing for a program on climate change, which you may have caught last week, and I was interested. I, I typed in to Google uh, climate change and um, in Utah. That's what, and it, this particular search happened to bring up several entries, several pages of people wondering if they should date across this political divide. If you, if you believe in human-caused climate change, should I date a climate change denier or, or vice versa? Should I, should I do that? You know, and it was interesting to me. It kind of goes to your point, uh, Jonathan, the, the, the culture point. That, that is, you know, surprisingly enough, and I wouldn't go with just that one topic, but a level of... Um, you know, agreement on certain principles can be helpful. Um, you know, it's it has it's been difficult. It, it's taken a lot of years for us to find that that balance of, you know, there's some things we just don't talk about at home. You know, it's it's better to leave a topic alone, and or we talk about it rarely. Yeah, you know, or or you know, it it comes up on occasion, and then we put it to bed for a long mm -hmm. time. Um, so you know, it's it's not a bad thing to want to have to share certain beliefs where you can be passionate together about something. You know, you have to share some passions or you're, you know, not going to have a very successful time with that person. So it may not be politics, but you have to share some passions. Well, and to be fair to Jonathan, um, I did a bait and switch on Jonathan. Mm -hmm. When he married me, I was a Republican girl. And so um, I, I didn't have any clue this was going to be happening. I am 
I, I feel ashamed of this because of my beliefs now. My name is on the 1996 vote to have man and woman marriage in, you know, have the Constitution of Utah with the Man and Woman Initiative in 1996. I voted for that. Um, and my, my views, it takes me a very long time. But once I finally come to know myself, um, I land there pretty squarely. And so for John, when we got married, we were on the same page. And I don't really know many people that that's happened to where there's been such a big shift. It's just, you know, my family was Republican. Everyone around me was Republican. You're a Republican if you're born in the state for the most part. And so uh, I think he's dealt with it really well. I actually think if the environment's going to be your number one passionate issue, I really think it should be important to the person that you date. However, I wish more people, if I could have one wish for this valley... Um, and the state, it would probably be that they ha have more interaction with people of differing political thought. Because I tend to think we get in a fishbowl here. And I, I've noticed this since I have kind of, I had uh, health issues. I had a major surgery. I've pretty much had my hand forced into retiring from the internet. I used to be very active. And it gave me a wonderful opening view to all these different ideas and thoughts. And I have found that since I've isolated myself, it, I miss it. And I don't, I don't really, it's, it's a very confusing time for me. And so I will deliberately call a lot of my very progressive liberal friends and just have conversations with them just so I can feel some sort of balance in the universe. I think people tend to get on one treadmill, and if that's all you see, that's all you know. Mm -hmm. And there's a wonderful, even if you don't end up agreeing, there's so many things that can come between a relationship where you don't see eye to eye, as long as you have a basic respect for one another as a person, which I have had, you know, I just had a horrible experience, someone I admired more than anybody. I don't I don't really talk about my online friends, uh, you know, in day to day conversation. I talked about this woman a lot. And there's been um, I've been very forthcoming that I have very conservative views. Um, my husband owned guns. I'm. I'm not really comfortable. We lost a son, so I'm not I'm not very comfortable with anything that is in remotely dangerous in my home, even if all safety measures are in place. It's just something for me. But I am, you know, I do like shooting. I do. I'm not anti-gun. A lot of my very progressive liberal friends have a very hard time with this. And some of them that really care for me, they're like, I think you're effing crazy, but this is what I think. But they're still respectful to me. Um, Jonathan took the boys um, down to Salt Lake for the gun rally that was just a few weekends ago. We didn't really know about it. We didn't plan for it. Um, didn't really even cross my mind. He's very passionate about it. I could not go because my back is in, I just I have problems with my back for my surgery. And I put a Facebook update and I said, John took the boys to a rally and then they're going to go to the range and I'm stuck at home because I can't drive in the car and I'm stuck organizing my underwear drawer. Yippee. And that was my Facebook status. And this girl gets on there and was so dripping with sanctimonious crap about how it was a day of peace and her family was choosing not to bow into the murderous intention of the gunslingers. And we, we both had a friend who lost a nephew at Sandy Hook. And she basically said that my son and children were dancing on his grave. And it was so eviscerating um, that I, I was... I probably will need therapy over it because I consider her a friend. But it was so obvious to me that she was putting politics above any kind of friendship. And she's just that way. My own personal experience, to be honest, is that the very, very progressive left, they're nastier. Mm -hmm. I have very, very, very right, 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 right wing friends and family. And this is just my own personal experience. But I have been eviscerated by the left for any conservative view. They trot me out when, it, when it's their view. Mm -hmm. Here's Laura Lee. She's married to a libertarian. And then I just get I just got slammed down. I haven't had that experience yet with a conservative, even though they've been very clear. Um, most people stay respectful. But when it doesn't, it's come out of that corner. And I, I'm embarrassed to say that because I do lean more towards them. Mm -hmm. So it's ironic. We're talking with uh, Jonathan Lurley Choate, and we're going to bring in, uh, following a brief break, uh, Danny Hayes and Addison Pace. We're talking about this polarization, and it c can even happen among progressive friends, as, yes. as, as Laura Lee Choate has been saying. Uh, seems like with the advent of uh, blogs and uh, the Internet and uh, news outlets uh, going more the European model and, uh, and being more overtly of one political stripe or the other, uh, that uh, that is just... 
uh, exacerbating the polarization in our society, and we're trying to push back a little bit on that today. And asking you, uh, what experiences have you had that have shaped your political views? Has your thinking been shaped by any authors or thinkers? Can you recommend any books? Uh, has your thinking in the political arena evolved over time? And how so? I think that happens to a lot of us. And how can we elevate the level of our political discourse and reach across the aisle? Uh, we'll take a brief break. We'll be back with our Access Utah producers, uh, Danny Hayes and Addison Pace. On From the Top, we don't just put young people on the show to hear their incredible musical performances. We celebrate the whole kid. We're all members of the Vermont Astronomical Society, and uh, we've also gotten really into building telescopes. I run cross-country, and I run track. Well, I'll eat anything as long as it's not looking at me, as, and as long as it's not moving around. I believe the correct term is math stud. Join me, Christopher O'Reilly, to meet America's most outstanding young musicians on From the Top, each week from NPR. Friday afternoons at 2, repeated Sunday nights at 9 on Utah Public Radio. Did you know that positive coping strategies can help slow the progression of Alzheimer's disease and dementia? So, if you're a caregiver, take care of yourself, count your blessings, and ask for help when you need it. Did You Know That is made possible by the USU Emma Eccles Jones College of Education and Human Services. More at cehs.usu.edu. Thank you for listening to Access Utah. We are trying to, uh, in our own, I guess, modest way, uh, bridge the uh, political, and Jonathan showed us saying, cultural divide that uh, seems more and more to to divide us. Political discourse, uh, in the view of a lot of us, is becoming more coarse. And awareness of the great traditions of uh, the progressive tradition and the conservative tradition, libertarian tradition, that's being lost. I think uh, some of us are thinking, how can we bridge that uh, political divide a little more, get out of our silos, stop demonizing the other side, and uh, preserve uh, friendships, even though we may disagree? And how can we get things done in, in this country? Maybe start small here in, in our communities and in Utah. We have with us uh, Jonathan and Lurley Choate. They are a family potentially divided by politics. They've found a way to, to work across the aisle. They were featured in CNN, for example. And we bring in now uh, Addison Pace and Danny Hayes. They're producers of the program. By the way, uh, thanks to both of you for the great work that you do. Uh, let's start with Addison. Uh, I wonder, uh, college age, and you're both, I uh, believe, journalism students? That's correct. Uh, so uh, college, I think, is a time when we're maybe starting to explore for ourselves, uh, kind of get out of the umbrella of our parents' views. Uh, I wonder if either of you have have uh, evolved in, in the time you've been in school. Oh, I for sure have. Um, and Tom, if you'll ask Tani that question um, when we get passed back over her, she doesn't have the headphones on. Um, I sure have. Um, as I came into college, I've kind of you know, it, it opens up your mind a little bit more when you're learning about things. And if you allow yourself to open up your mind, it's been a, a wonderful experience because I, I, you know, I kind of have a view of I don't like to espouse to any specific um, political party or because I found that a lot of times that there's a lot of baggage that comes along with that um, decision. And I I kind of found that I like to kind of keep myself flexible. So I'll, I have opinions on certain specific topics. Um, but while I do not like to support a specific party myself. Um, I do generally tend to lean left. Uh, now, although as I was younger, I was definitely leaned much more right. I uh, grew up in high school going and I participated in debate classes. And in those classes, um, I was the the sole, generally with the debate classes in my high school, it was the more left-leaning people in those classes. And I was kind of like the sole uh, conservative in my class. <laughs> and that was an interesting experience. And the thing that I liked about it, though, is it allowed me to participate and interact with people who weren't all always supporting the things that I like to support. Um, and like I said, as of now in my life, I definitely lean a lot more left. Um, I kind of have different opinions on different topics. When it comes to fiscal policy, I do sometimes lean um, conservative. However, when it comes to social ones, I do lean left significantly. And uh, do you keep in touch with the friends who perhaps you agreed with in the past and now disagree with? Well, wonderfully through Facebook I can, but other than that, I don't usually talk with them too much just because it becomes difficult when you get a lot older. Mm -hmm. uh, let's turn to Danny, uh, Danny Hayes. Uh, Danny, you're a journalism student as well. Yes, I am. Have you evolved over time that you've been in, in school? 
Well, it's it's really interesting because I grew up in a very conservative home. My parents are members of the Tea Party, and I didn't know what that was until I got into journalism and I found out what that was. And um, I switched over to journalism before my the summer before my junior year, and I remember coming into it and my parents warning me to be careful of the liberal bias that I might come in contact with with being in journalism. And I am really, really grateful that I did um, get to meet people who were liberal, um, who leaned more left and were Democrats because I grew up in, conservative, in, co- in a conservative um, household. And so I feel, I'm not perfect, uh, of course, but I feel that I am um, more balanced because... I have had the before. I mean, I before I had the conservative um, influence, and now that I'm getting more well-rounded with that, and um, I've met some great people, and I think everything everyone can benefit from having um, friends and associates who have different opinions, so you can talk about it and understand where they're coming from with their opinions and um, why they think the way they do. What do, what do your parents think? It, it, it sounds like it's coming true a little bit, their their warnings. You're being exposed, at least, to, to liberal <laughs> viewpoints. Yeah, I am. And they, you know, they always, <laughs> they always say, they always make sure that they have political conversations with me when mm-hmm. I see them. So, you know, I'm, I'm grateful um, both ways to hear it from um, both. And so I can make up my own opinion. Hmm. You, you can't. You can't. Laura Lee says she can't talk to her parents they're, about they're politics. Actually, John is quite reasonable. They, they can't. Uh, I can't talk to them about that. It'll be interesting to see with you two, um, as you age and as you have children and families, uh, how your politics flow from that. Jonathan actually started out quite liberal um, when he started changing it, it. It seems to be a lot of people. Once they have families, once they age, they tend to actually get more conservative as they get older. So I'm, I'd love to hear you guys in about 15 years and, and see what your mind thought is. Um, I find myself kind of really a, an odd duck out that I'm still as old as I am and, and my liberal side's coming out of fight. And now as I'm getting to 40, mm-hmm. usually it's the opposite. I found a lot of my friends, um, their conservative side comes out. I, I'm not really sure why that is. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's the, the family issue or, or what, but... That, it's always nice when someone at least has a background. I tend right. to respect people more, like Paul Merrill at the Sutherland Institute, raging liberal. Now he's a raging conservative, but at least he's been there and has figured this all out for my own. It's, it is harder for me to accept someone who's been one, one path their entire life without any seeming uh, effort to reach out and explore other options. Hmm. That's Yes, go ahead. I think... Um, I totally agree with Laura Lee, and I think that the big problem that we have, um, why we are more polarized, is that the anger that um, we feel when we come in contact with people with different viewpoints. I have had some amazing discussions. I've become so much more enlightened when I talk to people who are completely opposite of me. But it takes work from both sides. I have to be open and willing to listen to them. Not, um, Not necessarily I'm going to change my viewpoints um, and on their point that they need to um, listen to me as well when I share my my opinions as well it goes both ways and it is so rewarding when you can have great conversations like that and make um, make friends um, that are that are like that because you grow as and become more enlightened mm-hmm. interesting uh, Jonathan you wanted to comment yeah on that. I think um as as we sit in this room, we, you know, we've got five people with all having differing beliefs. But I think we can say that every single person has the intention of doing what they think is right. Nobody in this group, whether we have wildly different beliefs on a specific policy, is trying to do something that they actually think is wrong. Now, there are a few exceptions in the world. There are a few people who are just mean. But for the most part, the people who are, are participating in political discourse... Everybody has the same intention of doing what they think is right. Now, the question is always is that what they think is right is not necessarily the same. The action they want to take for that basic principle of doing good can be contradictory, which is where we have the conflict. You know, one side will think that, uh, you know, we'll all be safe if if there's complete gun control. And the other side will say we're not safe unless there's no gun control. 
But each side actually wants safety overall in, in the aggregate. And everybody can come up with individual stories of, well, if your law was in place, this person would be hurt. But if your law was in place, then this person would be hurt. And, and we fight with anecdotes, which are not an effective way to de, you know, define a policy for 300 million people. Uh, yeah, certainly true. Uh, just a reminder, we're talking with Jonathan and Laura Lee Choate. They're a family potentially divided by politics. They've had to find a way to breach across the divide. And I think they're telling me that some some issues you just have to put to bed, right? You, we do. You, you, you can't discuss. Others yeah. Others you can try to find some common I'll just walk away. Ground. I'll be like, I can't, I can't talk about this. <laughs> yeah, right I have now. to say, I will keep discussing them mm-hmm. and when I, sh- when I know I should stop. Right. And, you know, and then I'll be like, not listening to you, not right. listening to you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not listening to you. We're also joined by our producers, um, USU journalism students Addison Pace and uh, Danny Hayes. I believe Danny had another comment. Yeah, I just, what Jonathan was saying that I have, that's a big opinion. Um, stance of mine that um, we really do all have the same goal and I think it's peace and happiness and a perfect example was gun control because for some people it just it does make sense to um, the extreme point to take away guns get rid of that so they don't even exist anymore Um, and that they're or if they do that they're so very well controlled on the other side some people it is their life it's their hobby and to take away their their gun rights as they say um, it would um, take away a massive part of their life. And so I think um, we have to understand that we are both going, trying to go to the same direction. And it's just a matter of getting there is that where we come um, come in contact with each other. And we're talking about how to bridge that political divide. How do we uh, seek understanding uh, with each other? We're going to take another brief break. We'll be back uh, talking about this. We're going to hear a little bit from David Isay when we come back. He's the founder of StoryCorps. Had a recent conversation with him. You'll hear the full conversation in a few weeks. But uh, he said something about listening. He's big on listening, and I, I think that's a key here as well. We'll have that when we come back. Next time on the Putumayo World Music Hour, we'll highlight guitarists around the world from Latin America, Africa, Australia, and Japan. I'm Dan Storper. And I'm Rosalie Howarth. Join us for World Guitars, the next Putumayo World Music Hour. Friday nights at 9 on Utah Public Radio. Waste not. Studies show leaking faucets and toilets account for as much as 14% of all indoor water use. That's 10 gallons per person per day. By replacing an old toilet with a new model, the typical household can save up to 21,000 gallons of water per year. Waste not is made possible by the Logan City Public Works Water Conservation Department. Information at loganutah.org slash publicworks. Thank you uh, for joining us for Access Utah, and uh, we have reached our last segment. Uh, we're talking with Jonathan and Laura Lee Choate. They're a family potentially divided by politics, and our producers, uh, Addison Pace and Danny Hayes, uh, journalism students at Utah State University, were talking about the political divide. It seems like it's gotten worse and worse. There are various factors that lead into that, and we're trying to find a solution. Uh, how can we bridge the political divide? How can we listen better to each other and understand each other a little better? And uh, here's something David Isaac founder of StoryCorps had to say in a recent conversation I had with him. You know, one of the things that you learn from StoryCorps, it's not that, you know, I think it's pretty obvious, but, you know, it, it, we, are, we do live in a very polar, polarized, polarized culture. But if you really talk about, if you sat down and, and, and talked with someone who you may disagree with on one or two issues, 99.9% of the things you'll agree on, you know. And, um, and uh, I do think that, that that um, that this act of of uh, kind of listening and and um, trying to find common ground. You know, you think about how um, you know you, we we talk a lot about Congress now and their whatever it is, 11 percent approval rating, um, and their inability to work together. And you know, I think everybody knows this, but you know, people say that in the you know in the olden days there was uh, you know 20 years ago, 30 years ago, uh, the they used to have dinner together. <laughs> And get to know each other as human beings, and that doesn't happen anymore. And that's, you know, a big part of the cause of the uh, the gridlock that we don't get to know. You know, we're suspicious, uh, separated. We don't get to know other people as human beings. And I think if we took a little bit of time to find uh, find our commonalities, it would be easier for 
uh, people across, uh, you know, across the political spectrum and, and across all kinds of divides to get to know one another. I mean, that's partly the power of radio also. Every week on StoryCorps, I think you hear the voice of someone who almost by definition is going to be very different than you. And hopefully, just for a moment, you, by, when you're listening to their voice, you recognize a little bit of yourself in that person and walk in their footsteps and that, you know, the power of that recognition of our shared humanity, um, uh, particularly as, uh, you know, in, in, through, through the human voice, I think can be a very, can be a very powerful uh, force. David Isay, who is founder of StoryCorps, talking about listening and trying to understand. Uh, by the way, uh, you can join this conversation, and uh, if you do, we have a, a pair of tickets to you for, uh, for you for uh, Chanticleer, uh, the great uh, vocal group. They're coming to Logan for concerts on Thursday and Friday of this week. Um, just uh, call in or email in and uh, reserve those, and uh, then you can come by and pick those up. We have three pairs of tickets to Chanticleer Thursday and Friday evenings. 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495, toll-free, anywhere you are. Or you can email us at upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com, or 1-800-826-1495. We'd love to hear your experience reaching across the aisle, bad or good, and uh, how you think we can uh, solve this uh, problem. Jonathan, I, uh, it occurs to me, you know, you're never supposed to discuss in polite company religion and politics. We're certainly discussing politics here, and it takes on religious overtones. Yeah, they, we, they we've Definitely intermingle. They intermingle. We've been talking about uh, people whose journeys have have gone from one extreme to the other, or maybe extreme is the bad word, but one side to the other. And maybe some people take on the zeal of of, of a convert. Uh, and what, I want you to respond to what uh, David Isay said. He he is very hopeful there. Spins it in a very hopeful way that we can, if we just very, listen hard to each other, we can understand each other. Is there a flaw there? Do you, do you think there are some things we can never agree on? Uh, well, I think overall, I mean, there's going to be arguments. And, and that's, there's nothing wrong with passion. There's nothing wrong with with wanting to support something that you think is right. So we we should have these arguments. If, you're, if your belief can't stand up to an argument, whether it's just somebody playing devil's advocate, then you might want to examine that. Now, that being said... You have to make sure that your arguments are discussions, they're debates, that, that you do maintain, uh, you know, the civility, the, the decor, you know, uh, of just treating another person like a human being. Um, and I think that's a lot of the problem that we have is, is that, um, you know, and I, I find myself guilty of it occasionally. We'll look at a piece of legislation that will come out and I'll look at just who the sponsor is and I'll go, I haven't even seen the title of the legislation and go, I hate it. Or, okay, I'll, I'll look at that. Maybe, maybe I like that one. Just basically, now, some of that is often true <laughs> because you know where people are generally going to stand. But uh, we, we have to be able to have the discussion and then walk away as, you know, still being friends or comrades, acquaintances, etc. However you're, you know, however you find yourself interacting with somebody. And that's the problem. You know, the, the story is... It, on for the people, Jason Williams and I, on a weekly basis, are debating and are polar opposites on almost everything. There's a couple of parts we agree with. I love Jason. And then the <laughs> microphone goes off, and we'll sit and chat about work, and we'll set up, and we'll we'll go to lunch, etc. We're friends, but yet we're polar opposites, and it can be done. I promise it can be done <laughs> if you will accept the fact that the person you're arguing with is doing so with what they think is the best of intentions. Again, there are exceptions to that rule. There are simply mean and jerky people out there, and just leave them alone. Well, and frankly, I think you can take a more cerebral approach to it. Um, my thing is not just listening, but again, putting the human relationship first. For example, and this is no announcement, it's just in our 15-year plan, I have no doubt in this world that Jonathan will run for office one day. I know he will. Um, it's always been a passion of his. It's something that I would full on support him. I would not vote for him. However, I would be the world's most supportive wife because he undoubtedly represents the people of Cache Valley. And I know this. I just know the political makeup of it. Um, we have enough political differences that I wouldn't I would not vote for him because I know those beliefs. But for the area he's in, he'd be perfect. Hmm. And so I think that matters so, so much. Um, where it gets tricky, um, and we've talked a lot about the differences, but I don't think we've talked enough about how to go about it. 
with my parents and my sister. My sister is gay. She has chosen to cut herself off from people who do not support gay marriage. And I have no no problem with that. She's been so hurt in her life that that is the way she has to function. Um, so I kind of take up the mantle for her because I can have kind of a level protection. With my parents, it's also very hurtful for them. I do bring it up with them because I feel like a relationship with a child is worth more than anything else. But it's a very difficult, tricky situation. So I think the key to it is know your boundaries with the person that you are talking with. There are areas that are truly hurtful to them. My friend who read me on Facebook, obviously, I now know gun control is a very hot topic with her. My my little status that really had nothing to do with guns hit her over the head like an axe. So I found out the hard way. But in the future, I'm not really going to push guns with her. I don't try to push homosexual marriage with my parents because it's very painful to them. However, that's not going to stop me saying that I like this policy of Obama's or you know, maybe it's probably best that Mitt Romney didn't win because of this reason or, you know, I'm more of an independent, but primaries are important to me. So I'm registered Democrat. But I think that the key when you engage with people is to always keep in the back of your head, this is a person. I have a relationship with them. I get a lot out of this relationship. Is it worth taking that scab and ripping it off again and again and again. Um, You can have thoughtful discussion, but there's just some areas that people are so passionate about that it is really best to either go very, very gently or just leave it alone because Mm -hmm. you're never going to change their minds. I think they know where you stand, you know where they stand, and try to focus as much on the positive and building that relationship as you can. Jonathan had a comment, but uh, I think Addison has a comment, then go to Jonathan. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to say one thing that I found that I to help myself approach these topics in a way is not to approach it as a conquest or a, uh, to approach things in a way that I'm trying to change this person. I like to approach it in a way that I'm trying to understand where they come from so that I can help myself to better work with them. Because I feel like sometimes we try and focus too much on how to get this person onto our position or onto our side rather than focusing on where we can meet in the middle and then also focusing on what that middle is because I think a lot of times there's a lot of options that no that we don't look at um, because we're not willing to look at them because we're focused so much on what we've um, been flagging for so long I feel like there's a lot of things that like a third option rather than a second option are you know there's lots of things we can try apart from that but you also have to realize too and you'll find this as you get older there are there are people and I will say John is one there is no middle Um, And I I kind of envy people like that who are so black and white. They just know where they stand and they are not going to bend. And and I've hit my head on a brick wall many, many times because I am more flexible. I'm more like a willow and I do fight for the middle ground. But there are people and stances that there is no middle. There just period is no middle. And so in those situations, you have to recognize and figure out and feel out where it is possible to find a middle and where it's just a lost cause and you're just going to damage yourself and the other person by trying to beat the issue to death. Jonathan, you yeah. uh, libertarianism is very black and white, isn't it? I don't, I don't mean to make you white, sound horrible, yeah. honey. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> and that's, the, the, actually, I wanted to make the other point real quick. I know we're getting short on time. The first point I had to make as Lori was talking is, is, you, is to expand on you're not going to change anybody's mind ever. They are the only ones who are going to change their mind. Now, you may expose them to an argument they've never thought of. You may bring information that they were not aware of, that they may analyze and potentially change their own mind. But you, as the debater, are never going to change somebody else's mind. That's their own to change. So that's, uh, you know, as Edison was saying, we, we look at these as a confrontation, as a victory. I'm going to win the debate. Well, not even that, too. I think it feels good when people are on your side. Well, I think you want, I mean, it makes you feel better about your stance. Like he said, you want people to agree with you because you, then you it's do. like, yes, I want everyone to love the gays and give gay rights. And, and that makes me, if, if John could just get on my side, he's my husband, it would give me, it would feel good. But, but I don't look at it as a conquest. They, well, me. like I'm not necessarily saying you do. I'm saying it's a common thing. We look at the debate as we were looking for victory. Yeah, but the only again. way that we have victory is for the other side. Well, one, you have, you know, potentially, which rarely, rarely ever happens, that they're going to say, oh, OK, never mind. You're right. I was wrong. More than likely, all you do is you burn a bridge and you have bad feelings when you're looking for 
conquest of I will win the debate rather than I will discuss a topic and we'll talk about information and then we'll go away and, and let ourselves you know think about what we were talking about. Uh, but on the second point is, is yes, I can be very black and white only because libertarianism is all about free choice. It's about letting somebody else make their own choice. And so that's really easy to be black and white on of, I have my own choices and you make your own. And as long as yours don't affect somebody else, I don't care. And that's what is, you know, why, why it's very simple to be black and white. Now, on if we could just get you on the libertarian cause for gay marriage, our marriage would be so <laughs> awesome. The, the libertarian <laughs> stand is very easy. Get government out of it, period. Mm. Well, on, on Jonathan Island, I'm sure that will work. <laughs> and, <laughs> we are, we are uh, running down uh, near the end of our time. Um, and, uh, oh, yes, let's, uh, we have a call. Let's, uh, let's go to our caller. Hello. This is Eric. Thanks for calling. Go ahead. Uh, I just think it's a great topic, and I enjoyed listening. And I just want to say one thing. I think people should be well-informed when they get into their debates because it seems like there's a lot of people, just this is an example with gun control, that have probably never even shot a gun, and they are so polarized against it, and they're talking about something that they don't even know about. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, get informed before you before you start talking to you other know, people. Yeah. Although get informed, it's mm-hmm. often through debate that we become informed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we have to, I'll, I'll agree with that. We have to realize that we don't know everything, and that somebody, whether we agree with them or not, may bring valid information to a debate. It may not change your opinion. But it can be valid information from any source. Exactly. And if you stop talking, it's like people get so upset with me. Like, I'm just not going to talk to somebody, especially my gay friends. Like, I just don't even talk to them. I said, you know what? If someone had stopped talking to me in 1996, I'd still be back there. Mm -hmm. And so it is through long debate and conversation that I changed my mind. So you never know what's a lost cause and what's not. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I maybe take back there is no middle with some people. I guess you never know. And we are out of time. Interesting discussion. We uh, thank uh, Jonathan and Laura Lee Cho. Thanks so much. Thank you for Appreciate having it. us. Thank really you, Tom. Uh, Addison Pace, Danny Hayes, thanks. No thank problem. You. And uh, tomorrow we're going to do another, and it seems like it's becoming a weekly uh, series of programs on uh, air quality or air pollution. This time we'll be talking with government officials and legislators. We'll be talking with uh, Senator Patrice Arendt, also with uh, Logan uh, City Councilman Herm uh, Olson, and uh, we'll have with us as well uh, Val Potter from the County Council and uh, your questions and comments as well. And just as a last word on this topic, um, I think I would expand on Eric's point, becoming informed. Uh, one thing I get disappointed about when I talk to, uh, to people is they don't know the noble traditions of their own position. So th- there's another place that we could do some some research and, and, and rise above the uh, day-to-day political uh, discourse, which is kind of coarse, and get to the noble underpinnings of, of your point of view. Uh, appreciate the discussion. And uh, for our producers, uh, Addison Pace, Danny Hayes, I'm Tom Williams. Thanks for listening.